we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the podcast where we are going to convince you that Megan Fox is a fantastic actress, she just hasn't been given the right opportunities, and fuck you for thinking any different. All right, starting strong today. I appreciate I appreciate a strong declaration of mission. I think this is good for us. It's very it's very healthy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's I, for us to commit to a uh, I'm channeling some of the Lindsay Ellis anger here because um, for you guys, you guys who don't know, Lindsay Ellis is a YouTuber. She generally talks about film theory, film craft, and she has a series um, that's called The Whole Plate, which focuses on Transformers, Michael Bay's Transformers movies, and talks about them in relation to film theory. It's actually pretty informative. But one of the things she talks about is how Megan Fox in in those movies she's completely underused and how her character is actually more interesting than the way that Michael Bay films her so the audience like comes away from it thinking that she's just like some you know sex object bimbo yeah yeah I, re- I remember that video being really striking I forgot which one it was in the series but yeah one of the videos like yeah I think it goes probably the great, feminist theory one yeah yeah and it goes into great detail about how like um, Megan Fox is Megan Fox's character in in the first Transformers film really is kind of like the character with agency and who right. has like interesting growth and yeah. like yeah, and, and, and it's a way more compelling character, but And she's but, a car expert. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's and it's all of and it's all in Michael Bay's visual storytelling that most people who will watch the film come away from it thinking that there is not much to Megan Fox at all. When in fact her character is the most in, is well, you know, arguably the most interesting, mm-hmm. well rounded character in the film. And yeah. generally I would say that this is a curse that seems to follow her in her career. Right now she's kind of like had a, like a downturn after being pretty popular for a few years but I think it's because of that like people don't give her a chance because they, they pigeonhole her and typecast her in a certain role and uh, they don't actually realize that you, nobody out there realizes that she's actually a pretty talented actress in her own right Yeah. so in case you guys haven't guessed my, first of all my name is Orlando I'm talking to my co-host roommate and guest Ned um, and tonight's movie is going to be Jennifer's Body uh, and this is going to be my <laughs> my tribute to you guys of how why I exhibit A on why I feel that Megan Fox deserves more respect than she gets, and I also feel Damn that this right. movie deserves more respect than it gets because this movie was pretty critically panned when it came out, and it was not a box office success at all. Uh, Jennifer's Body, of course, is a 2009 American satirical supernatural horror film. Written by Diablo Cody, who also wrote Juno, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic also. And directed by Karen Kusama. Uh, And she's great, too. She directed uh, Girl Fight and Destroyer, that movie with Nicole Kidman. You also uh, maybe know her. She directed Aeon Flux, which wasn't that great. But, um, you know, we can't all be (laughs) great. Um, The film stars, as we mentioned, Megan Fox, uh, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Johnny Simmons, 
and Adam and Adam Brody. It also stars J.K. Simmons, uh, Amy Sedaris, and Chris Pratt in supporting roles. Uh, in this film, Fox portrays a demonically possessed high school girl who kills her male classmates with her best friend, played by Amanda Seyfried, striving to stop her. Um, have you seen this movie before, Ned? I have not. Uh, I remembered it... Um, so 2009, that would mean that it was like a couple years after Keith, right? Right, that yeah. was 2007. And, and, and I remember... I remember, like, a lot of conversation around this mm -hmm. movie as it was, like, you know, in the run-up to its release, especially, I think, a lot of, you know, hype around Diablo Cody's right. next, next project and all yeah. that stuff. Um, and and I, I do remember hearing mixed things about the movie when it did actually hit. Um, and, and, and I remember it being kind of mentioned in a conversation with Teeth as well. Right. Um, so uh, It's one of the so, reasons why I chose to um, watch these back-to-back -back is yeah. because, uh, I mean, they explore similar themes also. They're both satirical horror movies also, and um, and they're both feminist horror films. Yeah. And that's, I think, like, the big thing, whereas, like, Teeth, from the very get-go, I think it's it was marketed as a, as a satirical feminist horror film. Jennifer's body was definitely, I feel, marketed towards boys. It was marketed as a sex horror film. Mm. And a lot of the reviews, which we'll highlight a few of them when we talk about it, actually talk about that, how it's unsuccessful as a sex horror film. Mm. But I really feel, and Diablo Cody actually talks about this, how the main audience for the film is actually supposed to be women. So I want you to keep all that in mind when we watch it, and then we'll discuss whether or not it, it's successful as a film in its own right, and then we'll also talk about how the perception of how it was sold uh, maybe affected um, the way that people approached it back yeah, in 2009. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, digging into it. So if you guys want to watch Jennifer's Body, this film is available to stream if you have a Stars subscription. Um, also, if you have the Stars add-on on Amazon or Hulu, if you don't have Stars, you can rent it. It is available to watch on demand. So we're going to take a break now. We're going to watch the movie. Then we'll come back and then we'll play some trivia and discuss the movie at length. We'll see y'all on the other side. See you then. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotions. And we are back! We just watched Jennifer's Body. Mm -hmm. The movie as well as the character's body. Yeah, yeah, for sure, both. First reactions. Um, it, it was fun. It was, this was a fun one. Mm -hmm. Um... There was like a nice sort of polish to it that I kind of appreciated. It's like very polished, very yeah, slick. Yeah, it's very like slick movie, which which I think like you know considering this is going to be following up on Teeth, it's right? Like which this, is very this, indie by yeah, comparison. Yeah, yeah. So this one I think um, had like a uh, yeah a lot more polish to it. Um, had like sort of a fun energy to it. Mm -hmm. It was like very bouncy, um, very quippy, which obviously would make sense considering who the writer is, right? Um. And uh, I I found it 
um, yeah, I found it overall to be, like, pretty fun. And, and, like, you know, cute. Like, yeah. Which is <laughs> a weird cute. assessment. I don't know. Like, that's kind of where I'm coming down. Like, yeah, it, I, um... I I was really really impressed with Megan Fox. She's like, great. I thought she absolutely killed it. I yeah. think like because the thing is like I think she definitely gets typecast in really? a very specific mm-hmm. way. Very much so. Um, and I think that this movie did a really good job of like both playing to that sort mm-hmm. of tendency to kind of pigeonhole like you know the type of character that one would expect her to play, right. while at the same time. Like, she really just gave it, like, a lot of, like, ferocious energy and, and, and really, um, yeah, she really sank her teeth into it, no pun yeah, intended. Right. Um, yeah, I thought she, she actually did just, like, quite an excellent job, and, and it makes me, it makes me really want to see more of, like, her being cast in other roles. Yeah, that, same here. That kind of stray further from it, because I think it's just, like, she, she brings, like, she brings a, a it's a very like kind of self aware or smart performance i think very would much be, so. like the would would be like the way i would put it is that like it's just it's it's so clear that like she she has a very strong understanding of this like type of just, she's playing like, you know, she's playing up the sex symbol yeah sense. yeah like like yeah gorgeous conventionally beautiful sex symbol type mm-hmm. person and um so she does a really good job of sort of like leaning into that but then also at the same time just like subverting it but yeah yeah like subverting it and and really sort of tapping into that sort of like you know demon energy and um Mm -hmm. and 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 also like just kind of like yeah like like the different states that the demon is in based on like she played a lot of a wide range in this movie i thought like she got she got like the the demon stuff down the violence stuff she did of course like the sexy stuff but um, she, there were a couple of scenes that were really kind of heartbreaking too that I thought that she she nailed. Where you could, yeah. you could see like the tears behind her in her eyes, and yeah. she was like r- really bringing that emotional uh, gravitas forward. I thought, yeah, definitely. Um, and and I also really liked Amanda uh, Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought she she's did, great too. Yeah, she. I've yeah, always been a fan of hers. Yeah, yeah, she's she's really great across the board generally. Um, I I again, it's like kind of an interesting sort of subversion, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, because again, like I I think of her in like that role in Mean Girls, right? And she's she's usually plays conventionally beautiful people also, but this time yeah. she's playing like a nerdy so, character. So so yeah, I thought that was that was like a fun little reversal, and 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 one that I think yeah, she she you know slipped into very well, um, and. Uh, and and yeah, I thought she she made for like a great sort of like leading person, a great sort of like you know focus and perspective. Um, yeah, the movie itself, it's like it's it's a little I don't know. It, I say cute, and when I say cute, what I mean is like I don't know. Like I I, I kind of almost wanted something a little meatier from it, a little I more edge. Like. A little more edge and maybe just like a little more—I don't know—a little more depth. There, I, there, there's a lot to discuss about mm-hmm. it, um, and I think it's certainly playing with a few really interesting ideas yeah. um, that 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 leverage its story really well. I just am kind of finding myself wishing that it it went further with how it 
how it leaned into some of those ideas. And again, this this may be more for the for the broader discussion. Now, I will say this: when I first watched this movie, uh, I watched it pretty soon after it was released on um, DVD the first time around, and um, I think I had a similar reaction to you. I enjoyed it overall, but um, but I wasn't like enamored with it, and I didn't. And I, th- I did think that the, that it was... Uh, I mean, obviously, the movie has its faults. I'm not going to, like, say it doesn't. But I, I, I saw... I, I kind of get where you're, where you're coming from. Like, you know, it didn't seem as deep. But I will say that as far as, like, rewatch value goes, this is one of the highest ones when it comes to movies for me. Yeah. I've seen it now, like, a total, I think, of, like, four times. And it keeps getting better every, literally every single time I watch it. I come out of it like thinking that it's better than the time before and, and just like finding new stuff to love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like it definitely seems like there's a lot of fun detail in this Mm -hmm. movie. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely like, it's, it's, it's a certain brand of irreverent humor that I personally definitely kind of get behind. Right. It's, 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 it's my favorite kind of take on high school. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of it that again, kind of reminds me of Buffy in terms of just teenagers, does, yeah. <laughs> two, teenagers who are just, you know, too smart for their own good right. type deal. Um, and, and, and always, you know, culture, just so culturally rich with yeah. just knowing the coolest bands. Cause I didn't know any fucking cool bands in high school <laughs> at all. Um, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, any, anytime I, anytime I see like, you know, high school depicting like, you know, the high schoolers who just like know their fucking shit about music and the bands and crowd. shit, I'm like, oh man the 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 missed opportunity (laughs) (laughs) all right so we'll talk a little bit more about the movie here in a second but first let's watch let's play some jennifer's body trivia yeah yeah again there's like a lot of detail in there is a lot of detail i'm i i i don't know how good i'm gonna do on this one you did pretty good last time for the teeth one so yeah let's see if you can keep the ball rolling here Mm -hmm. so this quiz as usual is gonna be five questions and a bonus uh, the questions go in order from least difficult to most difficult, and the grand prize is bragging rights. Question number one, starting right. you nice and easy. Yes. What weird occurrence does Jonas, the football player, notice in the woods right before Jennifer kills him? What strange phenomenon is taking place? Uh, he notices uh, animal, uh, various types of animals uh, gathering and yeah. watching him and Jennifer. The gathering woodland creature. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fun. That that was a fun little uh, way to draw attention to shit about to go down. I was like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of animals circling. I would be I would be disturbed and weirded out by that too. I'd be really weirded out. By I would it. I would definitely have second thoughts about. Uh, doing anything uh, sexual if I suddenly realized I was surrounded by different kinds of animals I'd just be like it's really hard for me to like it's really hard for me to have like intimate relations with someone who like if there's a pet in the room uh, that itself like weirds me out like if it's like a dog or a cat like they have to be out of the room before I engage into any intimacy I'm, I, oh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one even one step further there was one time this was like back when I was like uh, I don't know maybe like 12 or something um, okay. and like I remember like my family and I we had we'd like traveled to visit like I don't know a family friend mm-hmm. of some sort and uh, for whatever reason I had to I had to change clothes in like one of the upstairs bedrooms or whatever uh-huh. so they pointed the way I went up to the bedroom and like 
there was just the the the, the family that we were visiting's cat was in the bedroom, <laughs> and I remember being like, I don't want to get naked in front of this cat. I do not, under any circumstances, want to get naked in front of this cat. Could have been so a I, so cat. I lo- so I looked for a bathroom instead to yeah. change because I was just like, I don't, I don't. Understandable. Could like, have been I was like, cat. I don't know this cat. This cat doesn't know me. We're not about to. We're not about to. We're not about to know each other this way. So. Yeah, there's just something weird about like a living thing watching you when you're vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. and and like there's and and yeah, and there are so many great gags in film about like the presence of right. pets during like intimate moments. So speaking of great gags, so like the screams that Jonas has in the woods, and then we see J.K. Simmons, uh, the teacher, yeah. thinking that it's like someone expressing their grief. Um, J.K. Simmons, like he, he, it's it's a small role, but oh my god! When, again, yeah, and, like, and also he's got like this sort of like slight hint of like a Minnesota accent right. or something like that. Like I just like he's almost very, virtually unrecognizable. Yeah, kinda. it's a very weird. Yeah, it's a very weird take on that. And he role. actually has hair and a hook, a whole head of hair <laughs> minus one hand. I was like, that's this is a very. Yeah, there was a lot going on. It was very... <laughs> J.K. Simmons was very difficult to process. Right. He was very good. He was good. But very difficult to very, process. Yeah. There was just so just much going off on. Off the wall, oddball stuff. <laughs> it was very strange. Uh, here comes question number two. Yes. Which drummer does Chip say is seminal, but whatever? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> mm. This one's this one's for you, Phil Collins. Phil Collins! Oh, of Genesis. Yes. I can hear it calling in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh. Do, 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 do. Oh, so good. Uh, in the so air tonight, it's, a, it's, a par- it's supposedly about a man who watches another man uh, drown, but, um, but doesn't do anything about it. And this movie is kind of about that. Like, it's about, like... A girl who watches another girl get abducted, and I guess she's powerless to do anything about it. But she even even, even she says that she should have done more. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, a very uh, yeah. The 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 inciting incident that that kind of sets this film proper in motion. Um, yeah, it's a very fraught moment. Again, there's like, yeah, because there's like so much going on just as far as like how brutally the the club burns down. Right. And then that immediately followed by like, um, you know, poor Jennifer just like being walked away mm-hmm. by that douche of a band. Um, <laughs> low and, shoulder. <laughs> low shoulder indeed. What a, what a bunch of assholes. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and, 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 yeah, so, it, yeah, that, that was, like, yeah, it was just, like, a very, very intense moment, especially just sort of, like, considering, like, what I'm sure was, like, going through her head about, like, what kind of a situation her mm-hmm. friend might be in. Right. Um, and, uh, turns out it was, it was demonic possession. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, like, yeah, like, that... But you know the thing is like I I I'm I'm not sure that the film sort of dealt as much with that. And and like again cuz I think like that's like a very heavy situation that like she was put in. Mm-hmm. And yet like and yet like kind of everything that transpires like while certainly, you know, demonic possession and murder and mm-hmm. all that stuff it's all very gory and very violent and stuff like that, but it all kind of it all just kind of felt pretty light 
at the end of the hmm. day. Like it all just interesting. Kinda, I don't know. Maybe this is just like you having desensitized me to all these different horror films. That Too much I'm horror. Like, I'm just like, oh yeah, like guys, look, that's pretty light. These kids, these kids, they should be complaining that they got disemboweled. Like, you know. um, whiners, whiners that generation. It's interesting. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that because uh, that that actually kind of reminds me of some of the criticism about the movie. So we'll we'll put a pin on on that thought. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's again, again, that's something I want to unpack more because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, just uh, again, it's like, yeah, there's a there's there is like with teeth a lot going on. Mm-hmm. In this movie. Let's go to question number three. Yeah, what movie? Does Jennifer invite Colin over to watch? Oh, 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 uh, it was, uh, Aquamarine? Correct! Aquamarine! Yeah. The mermaid movie. She Which turns, I don't know at all. I've actually never seen that movie. Uh, yeah, I did, did not know it was, um, I, I feel like, I, I don't know I know the existence of it, it. Yeah. But I've never I've seen it. I've clearly heard it multiple times to be able to string it together after seeing the movie once. I'll but. do some research and see if there's, like, violence and sex in it, and maybe we'll watch it. Maybe we'll watch it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if there's not, it's not going to be on the podcast. Yeah. Um, Certainly not Rocky Horror, the Yeah, she turns movie. down Rocky Horror. But the boxing movie. <laughs> the <yeah>. boxing movie. <laughs> For Aquamarine, um, but again, Aquamarine is like uh, again. I haven't seen the movie, but it's like a, the Mermaid movie, and it makes me think of the Little Mermaid, which is about transformation. I, I like the little tie-ins, thematic tie-ins in this film. Okay, it's a lot okay. of richness. In that's there. interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is that I think yeah, there's a ton in this movie that um that definitely. Uh, yeah, there's a ton of detail packed into this. Certainly, mm-hmm. as far as just like pop cultural know-how mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, yeah, the movie's really great about kind of you know le- lever- leveraging its 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 pop culture know-how. And 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 I would say that also like the film has a very specific like it, it feels very much of 2009 in a yeah. weird way. Um, very very post 9/11. I don't know if. Like the world was, I don't remember if the world was that post 9 11 in 2009 because it sort of felt like there were multiple references to 9 11. There were, yeah, like and, the, and the all shots. That stuff. And yeah, like, and because, and, again, 9 11 was 2001. I mean, in, in Amarillo, they renamed French fries Freedom Fries in a lot of places, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there was, so, there was something interesting. It just depends about, on where like, you are, I think. In the... Yeah, well, it's like it was interesting that it, it felt like there were, like, multiple references to 9 11 between, like, the shots and maybe one or two other, like, offhand comments, like, at the venue. Mm-hmm. And then to, like, have that. You know, tragedy happened, and then all of a sudden, it was like a, a you know, it was like a moment of tragedy for the school, right. and so I felt like, so yeah, I, I felt like there was something intentional in how they were evoking it to sort of, you know, have that through line of like, you know, the school being in a place of mourning. So, for, well, for Diablo Cody uh, wrote this and Juno at the same time, so oh, okay. she might have written it closer to. To 9/11. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually does make sense. Uh, all right, so you're doing great. You're doing fantastic. Here comes question number four, heading your way. Ooh, yeah. How much did Chip pay for Needy's orchid corsage? He paid twelve dollars. Twelve dollars. Twelve whole dollars. Twelve whole dollars. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so they were doing mention about like the the spring formal in this movie is the spring formal what's the difference between that and prom is that the same thing prom i think 
mean, I imagine so. I, I think basically if I think basically spring formal is prom. That's what I think. I think that's what it is. Um, it's possible that maybe spring formal is like something that all grade levels can attend, while uh, prom maybe, maybe. might be more limited. Because I my school had a junior prom and then we had a senior prom, mm. so um. So, so for that one, like you know, no sophomores or freshmen unless you were invited. Right. I don't know if that was the deal with the school. If there was like a bigger spring formal mm-hmm. for the whole school, or, or but, but I, my my assumption is just that spring formal and prom are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. All right, here comes the last question. You are acing this quiz. Uh, don't jinx it for me now. This is the hardest question in the quiz, I think. Um, there's two instances of this in the movie, and maybe you picked up on it. Jennifer watches Tony Little in an infomercial for which exercise machine? Oh, um, oh, God, what is it? It's the, oh, God. It's the, it's, it's not the Bowflex. Mm-hmm. But Although that is also mentioned. Because the Bowflex is referenced. <laughs> um, again, just so much pop culture to... <laughs> Specific to, to the 2009. Yeah. Um, oh, it's like a... It, it's... It's it's like a type of elliptical, but I'm 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 blanking on like the name the brand name of it, which is what I'm guessing you're you're going for. Yep. Ooh. I will. Uh, shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick. Uh, I'm gonna stick with elliptical for partial credit. Maybe I don't know. It's the name of an animal. If that helps. No, no. <laughs> if anything, I'm worse off. I think it's the gazelle. The gazelle. Okay. The I gazelle. I yeah. I did that. That marketing camp. While while I feel I do remember that. Who like, doesn't remember Tony campaign? Little? I mean, but on. but the 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 actual uh, the actual name of the product it seems did not last as long. So mm, none of those infomercials did. The marketing. Yeah, the marketing. Now, in Diablo Cody's previous film, Juno, fitness personality Tony Little is mentioned. In this film, we actually see the clip from the show, like his infomercial. Uh, and it's and it's funny, like that they specifically add, because like Tony Little, like even from the clips in 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 the movie that you see, like he's 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 like very high energy, but also like like he spoke a lot of like double entendre ish kind of things so like when he's saying like oh i know you want to touch not on this show you know he's like doing stuff like that yeah and his female co-host is like laughing and yucking it up it also feels like a kind of like tie into the thematic little bit of of undercurrent of the show i mean of the movie yeah yeah it was yeah it was it was a yeah it was like a weird a weird little clip there and definitely like kind of packed with a bit of a like are we really mm-hmm. yeah like I could feel the discomfort which which I just assumed was you know kind of a typical thing to experience with any of his, uh, uh, his infomercial I mean, work uh, God, I, God I, I remember <laughs> <coughs> I definitely am um, I definitely remember like that yeah that sort of cringy energy just yeah. like oh they're gonna just really make all these jokes and we're just gonna see all of it instead of just like mm-hmm. editing it down to something concise and mm-hmm. yes 
That's very infomercially though. I feel like oh, in an infomercial yeah. they always have like these weird this weird banter. Yeah, yeah, it's not fun. Um, not fun. All right, so you missed the one. You didn't do too bad. No. You got four no, out of five. Yeah, maybe the bonus. I do have two bonus questions for this Ooh, one. Ooh, okay, there we go. I'm okay with because they're music bonus, and I know that you are a big music guy. Oh boy, <laughs> you, you see now you say that. <laughs> And this is going to be the moment where I'm 0 for 2. Okay, so I'm but... giving you two opportunities here Ooh, to to show be... me your music chops. This is going to be tough. Okay, let's do this. All right. I did name Phil Collins, though. You and did. And I'm proud of you that. You did. And I knew that he played in Genesis. You so. did. There you go. All right, here comes music bonus number one. During the Sacrifice, Low Shoulder sings an excerpt from the song 8675309, also known as Jenny. Originally made famous by which one-hit wonder band? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh no. No, you're going to do this. You're going to do this to me. Oh, that song is so... That song. Um, Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Oh, doesn't help. Doesn't even help. Um, It's a good song. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real good song. Um... And it, I guess it doesn't surprise me because they, this is like literally their only hit. And I'm so pissed about this too because like I was watching the uh, the closing credits and when they went through the music credits, they don't mention the band mm-hmm. uh, for for the credit for that song. They just list like you know the writers of the song. Ah, uh, because they didn't because, actually because they the didn't song. actually play the band's right. version of it. So, but they but they still had to credit. Right, them, I imagine. So, <laughs> um, uh, okay, yeah, no. The answer is Tommy Two-Tone. Tommy Two-Tone. Okay, I wouldn't have guessed that. That wouldn't have even been a, a Hail Mary A guess, power so. pop band. Yeah. Uh, okay. I like, me, I like me some power pop, that's for sure. Power pop is pretty awesome. Yeah. Here comes bonus question number two. Oh, God. This if if I the- get this one wrong, then you have to edit out saying that I was a music buff. You have to. Ah, uh, you gotta live <laughs> with it, man. You have to preserve my, my I think, dignity. <laughs> I think this one's the, easy, the easier one of the two bonuses, but let's right, see. This we'll is see, also we'll kind see. of an old reference here. Okay. Now, the title, Jennifer's Body, is a reference to a song. The song, Jennifer's Body, is about a girl who's kidnapped and all the ensuing aftermath of that. You know, they found Jennifer's body. Okay. Now, the question is, the song Jennifer's Body is by which alternative rock band? And you get a bonus, bonus point if you can name both the band and the album it comes from. I will give you a little bit more of a help with this, because this is one of the seminal albums of the early 90s. This band is pretty well known in the grunge genre. Wait, I have to name the band and the album? You have to name at least the band, but if you get an extra bonus point if you can name the album as well. It's one of the most famous albums from the grunge era, but it's not by any of the big four. Oh, okay. Well... Okay, well, you, you're going to say it's not one of the big four, because so I'm about to say it's, it's not Nirvana, is it? Because, because also... Well... Because because there because there is a Nirvana song about a kidnapping. In fact, 
it's funny that you mentioned that because it is common speculation that Kurt Cobain was involved in ghostwriting many of the songs that feature in this album. Okay, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, that's a compelling hint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not up on my grunge. I'm not nearly as up on my grunge as I should be. I can give you one more clue if you want it. Mm-hmm. Give me one more clue. Again, I'm not up on my grunge, so like, and and there's there's one band that I'm trying to pull the name out of thin air. Oh. But 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 the name escapes me. Do you have like an idea of what nah, the band consists it could, of? It could be a tangent that's not actually even like helpful for what we're trying to figure out here so give me your give me your last clue okay uh this band is fronted okay by kurt cobain's wife at the time courtney love okay well i i literally don't know this thing (gasps) there's actually no way i know this. oh no that's really too bad um, so you know long... who Courtney Love is, though. Yeah, yeah, I know who Courtney. Love well, she was she was the front woman of the band Hole. I I did not know this band. Yeah, Hole is amazing. Yeah, you should check out Hole. I should. I clearly should. And the name of the album. I should check out more grunge to be clear. You for should. Sure. Grunge but, is pretty um... awesome. Uh, and the name of the album is Live Through This. Now, the funny thing about Live Through This Hole before this album was known as a more like a hardcore punk band but then when they released lift through this it was a more melodic had more hooks it still retained a lot of the heaviness but it was more radio friendly it became their biggest hit and it's uh now regarded as one of the seminal classics of the grunge genre and because of the, you know, uh, accessibility of the music, a lot of people, a lot of people suspect that Kurt Cobain ghost wrote a lot of the, the music. That is, that is some fascinating history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I mean, I got thrown off on the Nirvana track because I was thinking about the song Polly off right. of, uh, um, no, uh, never mind. Uh, never mind. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it smells like tea spray. Never mind. Never mind. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, I mean, like, yeah, Kurt wrote about all sorts of like similar, I think, shit. and the the yeah. song Jennifer's Body has kind of like a Polly esque vibe, I think. Fascinating, mm-hmm. that's crazy. All um, right, so did I, yeah, did not know about that song though. Yeah, that's so go good. forth and learn, and if you, you yeah, guys look, that's the thing. I'm the always looking for music recommendations. In fact, this is an appeal to all people on Twitter. <laughs> Just send me album recommendations because yeah, send I music am, I'm, I'm always I'm always gobbling up music left and right. So yeah. <clears throat> At the time of release, negative reviews criticized the narrative and specifically the horror comic premise saying that they, it, the movie failed to either be funny enough or scary enough to satisfy in either direction. And it's kind of what you were saying, that it, was, it wasn't meaty enough or it, didn't, it wasn't edgy enough. Yeah, it's like, it, would, it was like, I mean, I don't have a problem with the movie kind of like flirting back and forth on the line between like horror and comedy mm-hmm. and, and satire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me what it was was that I felt like 
I don't know. I don't want to just. I don't want to. I don't want to refute that my premise is that it, it wasn't edgy enough, only to say that it wasn't edgy enough. But it's 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 specifically that like I don't know the satire. I don't think quite had the bite I would have wanted mm-hmm. it to have. Like I uh, I I felt like uh, I mean I think like there are certainly things about um about like you know, being a young woman in high school and, and friendship dynamics in high mm-hmm. school that the movie was specifically sort of um, calling out and addressing. Right. Um, but I, I think it sort of felt more... It just... It, I don't know. I, I felt like it didn't go far enough in kind of, you know, in, in sort of threading out those dimensions mm. as much. And especially because I think that, like, you... You run into a tricky issue when it comes to, like, possession stories, Mm. because um, since we know from the story that basically Jennifer got, like, you know, possessed at some point in the film, that partially then, it it, it then sort of, it, it then sort of calls into doubt, like, how much of her behavior for most of the film is as much informed just by her friendship versus right. how much of it is just simply, well, she's possessed by she's a demon a, she's now a demon. And, and all that stuff. Which, like, so it's sort of like, it's sort of like the difference between, like, if she had been a beast for the whole film mm-hmm. versus, like, oh, no, well, you know, she, you know, things were kind of normal between them and then this thing happened and then you add in the layer. But of that's kind of an allusion death. to puberty, right? Like, what one day to the next, you're sort of like a possessed, so to speak. You're a completely yeah. different person. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 also, I think, like to the film's credit, it um, you know, before the possession happens, like it, I, I I already noticed that there was a strange oh, yeah. aspect to their friendship, Very which obvious. I found really fascinating and really interesting. Mm-hmm. It was just that I think that like then when it was revealed, like that you know, the night of the fire was mm-hmm. the night that she then became the beast on top of it all. That was when I was a little like, oh, okay. So I guess now it's just, we we know she's murdering people and when, and, and when are we going to deal with that? Because then, then the rest of the movie becomes about like, um, you know, needy, you know, sort of, you know, getting this, getting her head around this info and then sort of figuring out the mm-hmm. right way to, 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 you know, tackle the fact that her friend is literally a demon eating people now. Mm-hmm. It just sort of, like, yeah, it didn't it didn't quite live in that, like, that, mm-hmm. that more troubled space of, like, what it means for their friendship. Like, mm-hmm. basically, once she knows she's a demon, then it's like, okay, well, now we know you're a demon, so we gotta, you know, kill the demon. Or, you know. Right. Like, it, it takes her a little longer to finally get to that, you know, to get to that point of actually, like, okay, now I gotta kill you, but... You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I get what you're saying. I, I like. Uh, it's interesting though that you that you say that um, again because I feel like the more I watch it, the more I see that the depth in it. So yeah, for I, sure. I'm wondering. I'm I'm trying to like think about myself the first time that I watched it, where I had similar misgivings about it, and trying to think of like what is it about this movie that at first glance doesn't seem to be as meaty enough, but I don't, I can't place it. I don't know because nothing fundamentally changes about it. Well, yeah, no, I think, um, uh, and again, I think it's like they, they're still, they're still playing with, with some of those ideas and, and certainly like with, with how, how, 
you know, I, I think definitely what you bring up about, like, you know, the idea of, like, puberty and the idea right. of, like, how relationships change. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 like, that, that idea is definitely there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, like... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. And again, part of it, and and also part of it is because, like, uh, you know, through through you know, just my my own, you know, uh, deep deep love of Buffy, I sort of keep coming back to be like, oh, okay, well, now we know it's a demon, so we like, there's there's like a point in the film where I was mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, so so like we know that there's not that much of a, I don't know, like of a it's mystery. Just, yeah, there's not as much of a mystery. I guess like and, the mystery was like what exactly happened to her, and we got that later. Yeah, on. yeah, and 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 it's like, and it's a pretty clear. One of the things about it, like that, that struck me also when I was researching it is how, like at the time, a lot of the things that hurt it um, from a critical perspective also was that a lot of people compared it to Twilight, and really? um, even though like the Twilight films weren't positively, um, you know. <laughs> received either but a lot of the comparisons were made to twilight uh how like because twilight is kind of like like an innocent uh take on the same kind of idea of like uh, a change uh, body changes and and high school friendships and all that and almost like a very like saccharine like shallow take on it and so when they were confronted by something like this they didn't know what to do with it because like they lived in an era of of twilight that's what what i got the impression a lot that's that's interesting well and i i I think i can see where that comparison is made again just i think a big part of it is just again that they're you know they're going for a pretty glossy image of Mm -hmm. like high school life and and of like high school dynamics in fact uh film critic roger ebert who i know you love um (laughs) he actually enjoyed the film overall but he said i quote he, he dubbed it Twilight for boys. And he said that the the movie about a flesh-eating cheerleader, it's better than it has to be, said that within Cody there was a soul of an artist and her screenplay brings to this material a certain edge, a kind of gleeful relish that's uncompromising. This isn't your assembly line teen horror thriller. And he complimented Fox for her portrayal. He gave the film three out of four stars. I don't know if I completely agree with his take on it, but he at least enjoyed it. I don't think that this is Twilight for boys. Well, yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't think it's meant for boys, honestly. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, for the the most part, I think while the film definitely, you know, um, there are certain moments where there's a little bit of male gaze going on here and there, but... But yeah, no, I mean, the focus of the film is very much on their relationship. But is the male gaze... See, the more I watch the movie, though, I feel like the male gaze is in service of the satire. Well, exactly, yeah, no. It's, 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 I mean, a big part of it is just, like, to establish, like, you know, how, you know, Jennifer's relationship with the school Mm -hmm. and, and sort of, like, the role that she has, like, as just being, being someone who is that popular and who... Um, you know, uses her sexuality in in a specific way to you know to to bolster her her position right. within the social like she knows how to order. use her sexuality. Yeah, yeah. One well, and again, that's like just one of the things that I find just so brilliant about um, Megan Fox's performance is like that 
like when they're at the bar and like you see her like trading barbs with like all of the different guys in the bar and then immediately just sort of does this like ditzy act when she goes to talk to the band which mm-hmm. is just and it's so clear in that moment as she's doing that like how intentional she is about it that she that she knows it, she knows the right moments to like quote unquote dumb herself down right um and uh so so yeah like it's it's definitely so so yeah the male gaze stuff is definitely like you know in service of of like you know establishing that that's how she that's that's how she you know plays with the world and relates to the world Mm -hmm. um it's funny that you mentioned that because like one of the things she says is like when when uh needy asks her um how is she gonna get alcohol Megan Fox says that she's going to play a game of uh, what was it like? Watch the tit or something like that. Oh, or it was, uh, find the he- tit. Hello, hello, hello titty. Hello, hello titty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I play a game of hello titty, and the bartender, this is a quick, you know, in the background, but the bartender is actually played by Diablo Cody. Oh, I missed really, that. I really missed that detail. Um, <laughs> and actually, Diablo Cody, she's talked about how the film was marketed all wrong. That's what she speculates was a, a big part of the, the film's failure because the executives wanted to market this to boys who like Megan Fox. But she and Karen Kusama both felt that the that the movie was for girls as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think, like, th- that is the thing, is that, like, yeah, it's definitely not a sex horror mm-hmm. film. Like, it, it, like the sexuality definitely does not play that big of a role. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, obviously, sex is a big... Right. It's, it's, it, it's a big... It's, it's ever-present in the film, but it's present in the sense of, like, the high school social dynamic. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely much more driven... Like, like, yeah, no, the relationship between Jennifer and Needy is, like, is, is the core of right, the film. Right, absolutely. Um, maybe, and you know, I don't know if maybe this is, like, this is maybe something where for some reason with these two movies, with this movie and Teeth, I'm, like, tripping myself up a little bit by, like, <laughs> trying to, like, by trying to ascribe a specific, like, moral message to uh-huh. the film. Because it's, like... A big part of it is is also that like when when it comes to horror films, it's mm-hmm. like you've got. It, it feels like almost every horror film we've seen now seems to like seems to carry some sort of like interesting, like, like thematic thematic messaging to right. it. Um, whether it's in the form of satire right. or whether it's in the form of like. Or, or whether it's in the form of like you know representing some bigger allegory, idea. but yeah, yeah, yeah. An allegory of some sort. But at the same time, it's like also though at the end of the day, the horror films, in addition to you know carrying some of that messaging, also provide thrills. They provide scares. Mm. They provide thrills. Right. They you know provide you with either like the anxiety of like the people about mm-hmm. to discover something fucked up or the the pleasure of the gore that right. comes so 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 it's like that is the other thing that horror has to do and so i'm i'm wondering if maybe i'm tripping myself up a little bit because i'm i'm paying more attention to like the themes and the ideas and the allegory and i'm trying to like i'm trying to give i'm trying to lift all that stuff more when i'm also not necessarily just letting the horror film be a horror film, letting it also be a vehicle for thrills. And I think, like, Teeth, in retrospect, kind of, kind of actually light on the horror thrills. Right. 
like not that much in the this way. This was of, definitely much more gory than this movie. Definitely was much more gory. So again, I think I had like in in a way like more of a fun time with it, even mm-hmm. though I think Teeth is a more is is a more dense film. Mm. Um, and 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 I think is personally uh, just just having watched both films once. Like I think right now Teeth Teeth is is sort of sticking with me as like. You know, more full of like of like of like rich ideas and like fleshing out those ideas. Mm-hmm. Whereas like this one, I think like it's still got those ideas there, but also it's like being a good horror film too, mm-hmm. and also like giving us like a few good scares or a few good you know clumps of gore here and there. But again, not necessarily there's, that much either because there's, there's not, not a lot of uh, like overriding anxiety to this movie, but there yeah. is a lot of fun to the horror. I think like I yeah. I, I definitely like you know the comedic aspect of it, it and, and I don't even think it, it it's comedic because of you know it's like you said it's very bouncy the dialogue's very witty it's Di- it's Diablo yeah. Cody I feel like it's kind of like a it has like a hipster horror vibe you know it's <laughs> like it's not necessarily going to like scare the shit out of you but as a thriller I think it's constructed pretty well overall yeah you know I th- you know now that I'm thinking about it maybe I, I guess the way the way I'd amend my take a little bit is that maybe is that maybe I do want a little more anxiety out of this movie mm. because I think like I think, like, that space where horror films operate, where, like, they do, like, induce some kind Mm -hmm. of anxiety, whether it's, again, through anticipation or through gore delivery, like, when when you're sitting in that anxiety space, that kind of allows then the other ideas Mm. behind the film to, like, have a a little more potency Mm -hmm. to it because you're kind of, you're, you're, you've got these ideas in the back of your mind while you're also in, like, a flight or, a fight or flight state, I guess. Yeah. So, so, so I guess if, if, if I, so, so I guess maybe, like, yeah, if, if I wanted a little more out of this film, like, I think it could still be just as funny, but, like, yeah, I think I also want, like, maybe a little more genuine terror. And mm. I think especially, like, there's room for that because, um, because I think, uh, you know, the idea of, I think there is, like, a real anxiety around, um, the idea of friendships changing. Right. And around, like, the idea that your friend is not this person that you thought they were. Right. or Or that, like, you know, you've, you've always known each other, but, like... You know, you've just grown apart. You're like in completely different social circles. And discovering now. things about yourself. And, and discovering things about yourself. And also because I think like there's definitely like a at least one or two somewhat subtle, though maybe not that subtle hints that like there's also an attraction uh, between uh, there's an attraction towards oh, Jennifer so. that yeah. Needy has right. as well. So I think it's like it's established in the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> look, I'm I'm just I'm just a dumb straight <laughs> white guy. So so. Uh, I I need quadruple entendre to to deliver the message, um, but uh, but so yeah, I think like I think like there's room in this film for a little more anxiety mm-hmm. and 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 yeah, I think like I was I was like I was like along for the ride as she was sort of like seeing how Jennifer's behavior was changing and sort of starting to realize just how how you know, how involved she was in, mm-hmm. in, like, all the stuff, like, in the wake of this tragedy thing. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, like, just a lot happens in the movie, so yeah. it doesn't leave as much room for us to kind of actually sort of sit in the, you know, the the worry of, in the worrying about 
what's happening to our friendship and our relationship and why is it changing and mm-hmm. and why is that a, and why is this a bad thing and and all that now recently there has been a a, a critical reevaluation that's starting um to call us around the movie uh it has a very uh, passionate cult following first off and mostly from you know the from women um it, who they've seen it like now as like a feminist kind of cult classic, especially like uh, queer women seem to like really like this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, in 2018, Constance Grady reported in Vox that uh, an, the the film is now interpreted as a forgotten feminist classic. She stated that after the Me Too movement highlighted routine sexual harassment and misconduct in the media industry, the film's story about a group of powerful men sacrificing a girl's body on the altar of their own professional advancement became uncomfortably familiar. Um, so what, mm. I mean, we already talked a little bit about how low shoulders kind of like they're the, the assholes of the group, but what did you think about that? Like, do you, do you see the correlation there like, of, like of, of men using a woman's body, Jennifer's body to advance their own position in society? Um, yeah, that's like a, that's a really interesting observation. And, um, and yeah, certainly there's like something deeply troubling about like just the fact that they, you know, abduct Jennifer when she's, I mean, obviously like the, the circumstances under which she sort of gets separated Mm -hmm. from needy are definitely like raise a ton of alarm bells, like just as it's happening. Um, so, so obviously not not cruising for a good situation. Um, and as far as like, and yeah, as far as like the band, like, yeah, literally doing a demonic sacrifice with her and like using her body, um, to advance their careers. Um, cause that's a trope also as old as like horror is, is the whole making yeah, a deal yeah, with the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Making a deal with the devil and, uh, advancing yeah, your like, musical career. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, it's kind of clever to use it in, in this context. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, uh, and also like, I think, um, it's, intri- it's, it's an interesting consideration of the edge cases where the the necessity for a virgin sacrifice mm-hmm. is not satisfied as well right because right. because there aren't actually that many uh examples that i can think of in mm-hmm. movies that kind of you know try to you know depict a, a virgin sacrifice like you you don't hear a lot about well what if it's not a virgin right like it's kind yeah. of generally just assumed, assumed. like oh, oh yeah, oh, so yeah of course we're gonna a find a virgin and uh, yeah. it'll be all good and and which which again is such like a, a broad cultural problem mm-hmm. that it's just like assumed like oh yeah of course of course women are easily disposable and right. there are plenty of pure virgins and whatever so 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 to have that assumption actually is like already a, a problem um, but, uh, so yeah, I, I kind of like that. It's like, oh, well, they expected her to be a virgin. And in fact, she like, you know, specifically said, mm-hmm. sold them. She was a virgin clearly when she thought that like they were going to rape her. Right. And she was hoping that that might be a dissuade way to get yeah. out of, to dissuade them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is just, again, like just such a horrifying scene to watch. Yeah. Very much. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I think that it's very interesting how, um, yeah, yeah, how ultimate, how how it's like, oh, well, actually, no, she was sexually active anyway. I especially like that that it turns out she, she wasn't a virgin after the band leader was like, oh, yeah, she's definitely a virgin, but she pretends right. she isn't. It's just so, like, I, I like that as a nice little slap in the face of, like, you know, the way, you know, 
the way locker room talk plays out sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's just like, yeah, I I kind of appreciated that detail. Um, And kind of like, and it's also weird, uh, or not weird, but clever how, because the band kind of takes like a supporting, like they're, they're the, the plot, um, the, the, the thing that the catalyst for the plot, but they don't actually take like, like a, like a main through line with the story. You know, it's not about that, but it is kind of clever how, because they fucked up the ceremony, and as Needy discovers when she's you know doing the research, if you mess up, the you still get the power, but the but the demon Remains, emerges yeah. with the woman, right? So by fucking up the ceremony, they kind of seal their own fate. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ult- ultimately, yes. Yeah. Um, at, at, at the end of it all, um, yeah, it definitely comes back down on them, right? Um, and, and also, like, it's just kind of interesting that, like, by her being, um, by her, her sort of, um, by Jennifer falling victim to, you know, their, you know, use of her body for their own personal gain, um, she then kind of you know her 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 primary means of of continuing to survive ends up being to you know to to target other men right. and to devour them yeah. um so again it's like it, it pairs very well with teeth in that regard mm-hmm. as far yeah. as like this idea of like uh a a woman who goes through a traumatic experience mm-hmm. and then and then dis- and then has to kind of evolve into a new understanding of what it is she has to do to survive right. and use her and, body and, to and, survive yeah and 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 specifically it kind of it plays again with that kind of like that that sort of antagonistic relationship right. between women and men yeah. and, and on a on a societal level so um so it's yeah it's it it definitely pairs very well with two mm-hmm. in that regard and it's a it's a great sort of variation on from that angle as well uh Sarah Fonseca writing for them magazine writes uh she she mentions some of Jennifer Body's biggest feminist statements which includes um how women should always aim to support one another uh, how the patriarchy makes friendship between women terribly difficult, and also how the patriarchy makes sex with men a bore. Um, how s- the patriarchy makes survivors omnipotent, omnipotent. Uh, the reckless abandon of teen girls, and how the reckless abandon of teen girls doesn't justify uh, assault. Yeah. Um, but but I but see the, like those are a lot of those things like. Maybe they're not like touched upon as obviously as Teeth yeah, does. They're, yeah, they're not necessarily like explicitly stated, but it's. But like, I yeah, like they're, they're that present. all that is in there. Yeah, it's I, I very would, packed with ideas. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Like, yeah, and and again, again, maybe that is part of it. Is just that like I think that because it was it was lacking in some of the trappings of the, the more tradition. Some of the more traditional mm-hmm. trappings of horror, like you know, a little more anxiety, uh, maybe right. a little more gore. I don't know. Like, I don't need that much more gore. I'm not a gore person, but, like, you know. Give us a little more suspense. Yeah, a little, a little more suspense. Um, yeah, we'll give it, Speaking like, a of gore, let's go into the first GSV segment. This one's called Shots! 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 We never get, like, a like a good rundown of how many people died in the fire. But a lot of people died in the fire, supposedly. Yeah, God, it was so gory and brutal. That was probably, like, the most brutal part of the movie. Yeah, it was. Well, second 
most. It kind of made you think um, of like the uh, the the way station. Was it the way station that caught fire in Maine? And have you ever seen that video? It's no. like on YouTube. And no, it's, I didn't. It's horrendous. Of so like, it was. There's a band playing, and I heard about their this. pyrotechnics go off, and it's a really low ceiling, and everything just catches on fire. And I think like the the video is like 12 minutes long, and from from the beginning of the video to the end, the whole place just goes up in flames, and and there's only like one entrance at the beginning yeah. with a very narrow way yeah. and lots of people like died trying yeah. to get out. Yeah. I, I, I remember hearing about this. Mm-hmm. I never saw the video, but, um, but it's yeah, horrendous. no, but it was, it was definitely like that. Yeah. Very evocative of mm-hmm. like that type of situation yeah. where it just like the fire spread so quickly and, um, the, the panic is just kind of so much that it causes more death. Um, One thing that was never been clear to me, even at subsequent viewings is because that's a question that I had every time is if I can catch the moment where what exactly caused the fire? Was it the band that caused the fire? Because it almost seems like the band positioned themselves to use that to get their virgin. Well, that's what I was wondering about, too, because mm-hmm. I, I had had it in the back of my mind for about a third of the movie that the fire was mm-hmm. intentional in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this was like before I realized that, you know, there is a moment of possession for Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wasn't like 100% sure how with that she was prior to the fire happening. Right. But, um, yeah, I I... Yeah, it's never quite... Yeah, I don't think there's ever a a specific shot of what it is that catches fire. It's just, like, you see a shot of the equipment and the fire. Right, it's just sparking up. Behind it, so I... Yeah, but a lot of the townspeople, kind of guess, I think, a lot of the townspeople have a recollection that the band was, like, helping them leave, and the band wasn't doing shit. Like, Needy was right. Yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing. Like, uh, we see the the front man with a drink outside. Um, So I think it could be totally up for interpretation whether the band set the fire intentionally or not. What are some other notable deaths or moments of gore in the movie for you? Um, I definitely... uh, I, I... I think I was probably the biggest fan of uh, the the second boy, the one with the Colin. Colin, yeah. Like, How would I juxtapose that with the needy and Chip having sex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 mixture of yeah of of the two of them having sex while he was being sort of lured in was I thought a nice touch. Yeah, um, the silhouette probably, disemboweling was really cool. Yeah, yeah. The silhouette was really good. The way it was shot, and and again, like that was like an example of like a nice sort of like building right. your traditional horror anxiety a little bit. Um, I mean, overall, I think the movie is photographed really well. Karen yeah, Kusama yeah, has a really, really well, good eye. Yeah, it's really well shot. Yeah. Um, I really like that aspect of it. Um, and and also because I think, like, uh, the way she toys with him is also kind of fun, mm. too, and the way she's sort of... She's, she's very laser... She's always laser-focused on, like, her victim's sort of yeah. psyche, I've noticed. Like, right. she kind of always knows just the the right-slash-wrong thing to say to them to... She's a succubus. I, yeah, to... Well, to, to you know, because I think... Uh, I, I was wondering if, like, you know, the blood just tastes better if there's more... Uh, Fear, she said, right? Yeah, yeah. She wanted them feeling hopeless and all that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's 
something that just the blood tastes sweeter if it's pumping with adrenaline or right like that so maybe because that's that's kind of like a horror trope too that you that you hear from a lot of like vampire fiction and stuff like that yeah exactly i mean i, I also feel like i've heard like the the inverse set of like slaughterhouses that like slaughterhouses try to kill their animals in a way that reduces their stress or something, mm. or there's something about like that there's so they're they not get, tense or, or something like that i i don't know the i the uh, those of you on Twitter who know how this works. <laughs> how does um, slaughterhouses work? How does slaughterhouses work? How, how does anxiety and tension figure into the... Uh, Educate ex, us. Ex, uh, yeah, well, we At don't GSV know. At on Twitter. Talk to us. We don't know things. Um, the, uh, when Jennifer was vomiting the black vomit... Oh, yeah, that was uh, fun. They used Hershey's chocolate syrup for that. Nice. Along with CGI animation, which was pretty effective, I thought. You know, just... Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I would not mind uh, some chocolate. See, there. the first scene yeah. when Jennifer shows up in Needy's house, like that also has a good amount of like tension and build up there. I yeah, think. definitely. I'd agree with that, too. Um, yeah, those those I think are like the two moments like that mm-hmm. we have in the movie of like. And then, and then we have like the final showdown or, or well, we, that's kind of like in two parts. We have like Jennifer and Chip and then the scene at the pool and then Needy back at her house where they have like the final showdown with with the with the uh, box cut. Yeah, yeah, not not as much not as much fear tension build up in in those last two though for sure. All right, um, right. I just I just thought like, oh, you made oh, like yeah, violence. Oh yeah, I just I just more talking about like in terms of like uh, you know so the, the the scary yeah the those, scary approach. those are like the two biggest moments of scary. Yeah, you're right about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but what did you think about like you know those those that final like confrontation? Um, I liked it. I I actually th- I I liked how it was shot. Um, I liked the sort of the changing of levels. Um, I I there was yeah there was something kind you know very sort of potent and sad about like the way like when she grabs the BFF yeah. bracelet at the end and or that the, almost hurts Jennifer more and, than anything. Like you could yeah see in her yeah because like that like when she grabs it that's the moment Jennifer kind of falls right and it was just like oh that's that was good that it's was deep. Like, good good good. Good I was actually choices. thinking about how our experience yeah. watching uh, The Craft, because like while we both enjoy The Craft a lot, um, we both say that the final third of the movie is kind of where it falters because it doesn't become, it doesn't like follow through the emotional stakes that's kind of you know established. But I thought that this movie does a really good job of following through with the emotional stakes. I, I would absolutely agree mm-hmm. with that as well. That I, I definitely I, I like I liked that final confrontation mm-hmm. between them because I think like that's I I I, I think I, I I was glad that it had that moment of potency specifically right. at the end. Um I was worried as we were building to that point that we were gonna have it because there was the like, you know, you kill my boyfriend thing. Which right. Is, like, which which can be a bit of a hokey line, like no matter how convincingly you say it. Right. Um but but I think, like, by the time that... But, yeah, like, that that final moment of, like, the slow-mo fall um, definitely sort of, I thought, landed it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. Then, again, it's like, you know, you can still have a little bit of special effects with the, the levitation. But, um, but, yeah, I thought that was that was much more centered on their conflict and wasn't as much of a... 
special full, special effects of Palooza. Right. The way no, it's true. The, the one from the craft was. And yeah. also, I, th- I like that because separating it in like two two, two different scenes kind of helps it along too. Because the pool scene is very special effects heavy. Yeah. And and that becomes almost like a triumph moment for Chip, and it's kind of like what you expect. Like you expect in the movie that the guy is going to like slaughter the demon and save the day. Like kind of what you're you know primed to expect. Yeah. And but then. But Chip dies, and Jennifer lives on to then get disposed of by Needy herself, giving her her hero moment. Um, which I so I mean I I like I like the subversion. I like all of that, and it's very well I think constructed. And I like the the fact that you know Chip is like a typical guy. Like he allows himself to be seduced, but you know he still retains enough of his own like self respect as well to like we don't actually hate him. For falling for Jennifer. Yeah, I, I was like a little disappointed that he fell for it. I just, I, you know, I, mm. again, like a horror film lowers everybody's. <laughs> That's true. Uh, a, a horror film lowers all IQs. But like, yeah, I, I, I was kind of hoping that he would have been maybe a little more conscious that like when she was. You know that that maybe maybe this person who you've been skeptical of throughout right. the Why film trust her all of a suddenly sudden? comes up to you alone in the park and yeah. tells you that your girlfriend's been sleeping with somebody else. Yeah, clearly a trustworthy source of information, mm-hmm. um, considering you've like not been on her side at all throughout the entire film. So maybe that speaks more to just like you know the sad, simple nature of male sexuality or something like right. that. Um, some straight male sexuality, yeah. I should say. Straight cis male sexuality. I mean, he talks um, about <laughs> how empty he is inside. I, I really think, like, I feel like Jennifer is using it to say she's empty because she's she's hungry. But Chip is actually saying, no, he's actually empty inside, like emotionally empty. Yeah, and well, I, and that's the thing, is that I think, like, you know, he, he definitely succumbs to a few kisses, but also at the end of the day, just, like... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he was more taken with grief, and especially, like, when she has that moment of, like, you know, she has a moment of jealousy towards yeah. Needy about... All the time, yeah. ...about how Chip feels. So I think, like, yeah. Because it's funny that Needy is her character's name, because Jennifer's actually the one who's Needy. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, Jennifer kind of is the one who's constantly calling on her, like, oh, yeah, we're going out now, right. and all that. So I think, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. The details are coming out to me now. Like, that's the thing. I, I, I definitely think that, like, yeah, this film has a lot of really, really smart details just, like, packed all over. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and that's kind of, that's a sign of good filmmaking when it's, like, you, you know a lot about the characters, but all of the storytelling about who they are is kind of in those details right. and in those filmmaking details, right. some of which you may not consciously pick up but the first like, time right mm-hmm. but yeah so let's go into the next segment this one's called boob tube um we only get like one scene of partial nudity uh which is where jennifer's swimming naked in the lake however um and i, I was when i was doing research you know megan fox fox was actually wearing a flesh-colored bikini so she's not actually completely naked but there is a lot of sex in the movie yeah a lot of talking about sex and and a fair amount of the the sex itself and we um, talked sure. about um already about like the scene where where chip and needy are having sex and then we have that uh inner with uh jennifer and and uh, colin <laughs> getting eviscerated but the other big like 
sex or sexy scene that pops out to me is the the kiss scene actually between uh, Jennifer and Needy because that's the type of scene where I think like in a normal film would totally be played for titillation for guys. Yeah, that's the thing is that I think like it's it's certainly it's certainly a very sexy kiss to mm-hmm. be sure, but also at the same time like the actual focus of that scene for me seemed to certainly be much more on their yeah, it, it was much more about yeah, what what their what it's the Needy's power dynamic character. between them. Yeah, yeah, what what Needy and the relationship, right? And 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 how she was reckoning with the relationship. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was definitely a, a very interesting scene. Um, I mean, obviously, it's like on the one hand, um, Jennifer is definitely you know weaponizing her own sexuality right. again. Like, there's I, I I don't necessarily think that Jennifer really ever reciprocates Needy's feelings. I think it's just yeah. She doesn't. Um, yeah, so she just uses her. So yeah, she, even and, when they were and definitely by and definitely by that moment, she is like being very direct in how she is manipulating her. So a lot of uh, critics and and, uh, and and audience members made a big deal about that scene. Um, Co- Cody and uh, Kusum actually talk about it. Uh, they, they speak about you know the the scene had a big media hype. They were like, oh, this is the movie where Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried kiss. Uh, and she was talking about, uh, Cody was talking about how if the two protagonists of the film had been a guy and a girl uh, in a particularly tense moment and a shared kiss, there would be nothing to be said about how, whether, you know, no question about whether it was gratuitous or not. But the fact that they're two women means that all of a sudden we did it as a kind of a stunt. But she said that it wasn't intended to be a stunt. It was actually intended to be something profound and meaningful uh, between the two characters. Yeah. And actually, I, I buy that. The, again, the more I see this movie, the more I see that. Like, it's it's not as titillating to me. It's really a shared moment of them understanding everything that's come before and what's about to come after this point in their relationship. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say that. Um, yeah, and, and, and also because I think, like, Needy is definitely pretty in denial about, like, how deep her feelings are because obviously mm-hmm. she, there's there's never a moment where she has it out with Jennifer or where she tries to take their relationship mm-hmm. into a, another place um so uh so i think that like there's it's 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 a real moment of discovery for Needy's character that she kind of like is is sort of faced with the tangible proof that there is this desire that she's sort of wrestling with. right um so so yeah it's it's a very it's a very potent scene uh, diablo sure. cody uh talks about it a little more she says uh um there's this sexual energy between girls which is kind of authentic because i know this is diablo that i'm quoting i know that when i was a teenage girl the friendships that i had with other girls were almost romantic they were so intense i wanted to sleep in my friend's house every night. I wanted to wear her clothes. We would talk on the phone until our ears ached. I wanted to capture the heightened feeling you get as an adolescent that you don't really feel as a grown-up. You feel like your friends when you're a grown-up, but you don't need them to sleep in the same bed with you or talk on the phone every night. That's something that you only feel as a teenager. Uh, And and I, I think that that is the moment. The kiss is like really where you kind of see like a coming like a coming of age 
in Needy's character. Yeah. Because up to that moment in the film, she's been pining for sort of like maybe like something romantic with Jennifer. And then that's the moment where she's like, no, she's evil and I'm going to protect everyone that I love against this person. And not to say that in real life, you know, those romantic relationships become evil, but there is a moment in everyone's life, I feel. I don't think that it's just girls, but this is coming from a feminist perspective, but there's a moment in everybody's life where you you stop being as familiar with your friends because you are, quote unquote, growing up. Because I feel like even boys, when they're together, like we don't mind like you know, touching each other, hugging, like roughing it out, you know? Yeah. But there comes a point where we're like, oh, we can't touch each other because now we're growing up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's that's a great read um, on that. And 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 certainly, yeah, I think it is it is definitely the turning point of the movie. I mm-hmm. think definitely with that kiss and sort of realizing it um, and, and also with, like, getting the information from Jennifer, too. Like, obviously, that is the moment where Jennifer explains what's been going on. Um, but also, you're like, yes, that is definitely, um, yeah, it is definitely a very strong turning point in the movie because it is basically from that moment onward that Needy is pretty much on mission right. to deal with the fact that her friend is not her friend anymore. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, that's definitely, yeah, a moment of transformation. Another interesting thing. So for this movie, uh, Megan Fox lost 15 pounds, which... It's crazy to think about, like, uh, why would she even want to do that? She was 97 pounds during the filming of this movie. The reason behind it was because she wanted to appear more frail and wayfish so that when we see the scenes of her uh, without makeup, like, she wanted to give the impression that she really was starving and weak. Um, And there is a scene in the movie that strikes me as especially powerful. And it's one of those scenes where I wish the camera had lingered more. I want to get like your feelings on this. And it's the scene where Jennifer is sitting alone, smearing makeup on her face. Um, uh, And yeah, that was an interesting scene. Um, She's very vulnerable in, in that scene. And, and it almost makes it like, you could like see the tears. Like when she, she first puts a little bit of makeup and you you can kind of see like that acting change in in her, and it's really deliberate but really great. Where the tears well up, and then she smears more, and it almost makes it seem like you know she's she's almost like crying help me to nobody. Um, but I but that scene but that's like a really flash and and it's gone scene. I kind of wish that the camera had lingered more and we would have gotten more of that emotional... Yeah, that movie did... Yeah, that moment did pass really quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, I think you were right. Um, it, it definitely was a very interesting moment. And um, yeah, it would have been... It would have been really cool to see more. Cause it's, it... And also because I think like... Um, also, I don't know if like there could have been a change in the angle or something, just because like I I felt like I I wanted to get better coverage of like what was going on in her face because it was mm-hmm. kind of like a an angle on like a small mirror that she had on her right. desk, I think. Yeah. So we don't we don't even necessarily see her whole face that much. But that's that shot, that's but. fine because I think that the small mirror, if it had been a large vanity, it would have it would have removed the impact for me. But that's another reason why I feel like it, if it would have lingered more, it would have sold it. Because the small mirror makes her feel small. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like... I mean, Megan Fox is is this gorgeous human being. And she's playing a character who feels ugly. 
and I feel like I really do sense that. Like that's yeah. the reason why she's so cavalier with sex, and that's why she wants to do this and that, and you know, and and it's like she's trying to process her own, like like Needy says at the end, like her own feelings of of inferiority and and uh, and feeling insecure. Yeah. Yeah, a really, really powerful moment, to be sure. And that um, kind of, like, subverts the whole, like, trope, because like, uh, there is a trope in horror movies about, like, beautiful women, you know? Uh, they're always being um, victimized and butchered in, in horror movies. And so it's just, it's just really interesting to me to have a horror movie where the the monster... It's, again, like like in Teeth, the monster is the, the woman instead of the other way around yeah. but um but but in this one it takes it a step further in that the monster is a woman that doesn't doesn't feel powerful even though she is powerful yeah i i i yeah i definitely hear what you're saying and i i i think i think i would agree with that like um yeah i think it is it is a, a really fascinating sort of combination of elements to sort of like yeah to have her um yeah, to have her as like the yeah the the creature of the film, um, but that like she, it, yeah that she's very strongly rooted in as you said these feelings of like insecurity mm-hmm. and and uh, is is sort of consumed by them right um, and, uh, and 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 you know and it's interesting because like I think. Um, I think like the final confrontation at the end of the film when um when Amanda Seyfried like makes those remarks to her about how like Jennifer is like socially irrelevant now right. and how she's like had to use laxatives. Mm-hmm. It was like so interesting because like my initial knee jerk reaction to that was like oh, we're just kind of going to be like, you know, you know doing these like petty insults now Mm -hmm. but like then but like the more i thought about it it was like oh wait no like you're talking about like your friend who like is literally using laxatives to maintain her weight while she's in high school which is like devastating to hear like that's like not healthy that's a social that's a eating disorder yeah yeah so so it's like yeah i think there's there there is a lot in this movie that can be very easily dismissed as flippant and and again there's probably like quite a few things that like i probably Mm -hmm. dismissed as flippant on first glance um but uh but but yeah no it's definitely packed with i think a, a lot, it does a really good job of sort of making demons out of um a lot of those like you know high school insecurities and and, and again specifically geared towards what women go through um so uh, making the connection to real life about all of this in, in terms of like Megan Fox especially uh when they were finding ways to market the movie uh Karen Kusama actually talks about how the studio's all-male marketing department um, thought that it would be a cool idea to ha- promote the film by having a live video chat on a porn website and having Megan Fox be on the porn website doing a live video chat. And Karen Kusama was so distraught by this idea, she even begged them not to even mention it to Fox because she thought, she said, she will become so dispirited. And Karen talks about how she felt like that was crushing to hear because it felt like these guys just completely missed the point of the movie. Jesus Christ. Right. That makes me so fucking mad. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. 
We can use that to get into the next segment, which is... Uh, that's, that's problematic. problematic. I mean, yeah, the whole the whole fucking male marketing team sounds like a good starting point for things about this movie right. that are problematic. Yeah. Um, Jesus, that's so fucking... God, that makes me so mad. Mm-hmm. Like, God I guess, damn. like, the idea, too, was, like, to make that, it well, seem... That's, well, also, that's so cheap because, it, like, yeah, but, like... But they, yeah. they wanted to make it seem like it was one of those uh, live, like, sex chats. That was, like, the idea of it was, you know, how, like, people pay and they ask questions or talk to the performer and then they take off their clothes and stuff. So their idea was to actually put this on a porn site, but instead of Megan Fox taking off her clothes, she would just be answering questions about the movie. But, I mean, but like that's such a... That's in such but bad taste. Yeah, that's like in such bad taste. It just like it again. It like it overly sexualizes her in a right. way that has no bearing on right. the story it at all. Misses the point of the movie completely. Oh, oh, that's so scummy. That is so scummy. Men, <laughs> get it together. Oh, that I, pisses me off. If there's anything that I feel like when I when I read about that story, I was like, well, now I get why movies like this are so important and and the first time around when the movies yeah. like this when movies like this come out you know they they aren't as Did they do it they didn't do it no did they it? didn't do it thank god jesus but um but you know when when movies like this come out and they're not well received it's almost like that mentality is is i think kind of affecting that too because again a lot of people were comparing it to twilight they were they were talking about it in terms of how men would perceive the movie and if this movie came out, like, I feel like, you know, today, or well, maybe not today, but maybe like a year ago even, I feel like we would be making, like, a, a bigger deal about it in terms of its messaging because we come, we are in another perspective. We, we are post-Me Too, and a lot of these themes do resonate with our cur- current cultural climate. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, that this film definitely... Um this film, I think, definitely still has some re- relevance mm-hmm. um, post Me Too, to be sure. Um, again, with that that observation uh, that you'd quoted before about um, about about the way the men use Jennifer's body quite literally for mm-hmm. their own advancement. Um, so yeah, I think like yeah, this movie's really packed full of these like really interesting ideas. Um, as far as like problematic things, yeah. Um, what else did you see? I mean, like. There's certainly like individual turns of phrase of like that are just kind of the like they use the R the, word the, once, the, yeah, the high schoolies, right? Um, so, so like kids banter and stuff like that, and like you know high schoolers are fucking dipshits, so like right. yeah, they're gonna say problematic shit all the time. But uh, the R word, um, what actually it, it was like a weird sort of. Uh, it was a weird sort of like hybrid because doesn't she say it's well, freak tarted? Yeah, that was the second time. Oh, okay, yeah. But that one doesn't like bother me that much, but they do full on say the R word like early in the movie. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I think I missed the other one. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, so there is that. Um, I think uh, as far as like, I don't know, problematic stuff like in the film's messaging. 
I'm I'm having a hard time putting my finger on anything like that. I yeah, mean, I don't again, think I like think the messaging like, itself was problematic. Yeah, I think I think the characters are pretty well served. Mm-hmm. Um, they're yeah. both they're both very fully fleshed characters. Her and Needy, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and they and, play really and, well and, off each and, other. And like really, kind of like I think like for them, I mean, I think like with the exception of the rock band, like almost all the characters actually kind of have like a bit of a. Are, are are pretty empathetically written. Like yeah. even the even the like the linebacker guy right. who she first kind of goes He's emotional. After. Like he's yeah, he's like he's like genuinely mourning his right. friend when she approaches him and uh and and I kind of uh yeah, there was like something I appreciated about that kind of like, you know, somewhat empathetic approach. Um that just like yeah you know he's he's going through some real shit uh oh uh, i mean yeah again certainly that like it, among the banter that was happening in like the 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 music venue that burns down um i think there was like like a, that rock that locker room talk that you were talking about like yeah there's like a bit of that locker room talk going on um uh, chris pratt um i think had like uh had that homophobic uh, oh he did he, he said uh yeah he, he said, said he didn't um, say the f word but he Pretty he, much but, said but it. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. It was very clear he was he was making a homophobic uh, remark uh, with that. So that that's not great. Again, it's like kind of painting him in a negative light, though. He's not. Well, you know. it's like a little bit painting him in that light. Uh, it's a little bit like you know, it's small town America. Right. So it's like I I I you can somewhat chalk that up to mm-hmm. like. Just but time, also, 2009 you know, was a different time. And, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> was it, though? Uh, it probably was. I don't know. That was like, we had just elected Obama, so we were still in that in that Bush-era mentality, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. We elected Obama, and racism was over. Right. And as, as, we, all, as we all knew in that moment. Um, so, yeah. I think... Um, yeah, I'm, even, I'm having yeah, yeah I'm, I'm having difficulty finding problems. But like even at the beginning, like the other classmate, when she's like, "Oh, you're total lesbi gay," like, oh yeah, that line was a little garbled. But like, but like, yeah, I think that's the thing is like, there's there's a there's a little bit of like, there's a little bit of like casual homophobia thrown mm-hmm. around, like kind of throughout the movie. Which is interesting that this movie um, has become like so passionate amongst queer feminists because, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 certain that that many queer feminists are no stranger to remarks like that right um for sure so um, so I, I think that they you know that's like oh yeah something that they can relate to it's like yeah they, i've been surrounded by language like that yeah and 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 again because i think that like the film definitely does a really good job i think um you know taking uh the development of needy's feelings like very, mm-hmm. you know seriously and i think that's a, a very important part of the character's relationship um again i think it's just one of those things that like i i i wish there was just like yeah i, I wish like a little there was a little more anxiety to be made out of out of that 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 very complicated relationship and and sort of you know the the existential question of like i feel these things for this person they go beyond friendship also we've been friends since like the sandbox days so like are we still the same friends we were like uh, yeah so i think it's like yeah the it's a it's a really strong place from which to kind of you know, building on that a little bit, um, going back to the kissing scene, it's interesting to hear like both actresses talk about uh, that scene from from a personal perspective. Megan Fox was noting that uh, uh, Seyfried was extremely uncomfortable when filming 
that scene, but she herself was not. She says, and I quote, I feel much safer with girls, so I feel more comfortable kissing Seyfried than kissing any of the other people that I had to kiss. Um, and, and they both noted how Seyfried's uneasiness in the scene caused giggling fits between takes, which, oh, cute. Um, <laughs> and then Seyfried goes on to say how uh, neither of them really wanted to do the kiss because they felt that it was just being done as a stunt. Even they felt that way. Uh, and she agreed with, with Fox that it, she was, un- that she herself was uneasy about acting it out. She said, it was my first time doing a real kissing scene with a woman. It's just weird. It is a woman with the woman's smell soft and florally. Maybe it's a pheromone thing. Maybe they're different. Something about it felt uncomfortable for me. now, do you think that obviously because like one of them didn't have a problem with it, it seems like or was more comfortable with it and then Amanda seemed to be uncomfortable with it. Do you think it's like problematic to like ask your actors to put yourselves in like these types of situations or is it kind of like the thing where it's like, well, you, you're hired to do this job, so you have to get there no matter what kind of thing? I mean, I think, um, you know, I certainly feel like it is it is incumbent on on the creative team to as much as possible foster as safe Mm -hmm. a space as they can to like do that work um ultimately i do think that like it's important to be very transparent about like what the role calls for right um and uh and and i think like you know obviously it's like there's there's many steps to this obviously it's like you know there's there's just, you know, like the interviews where Mm -hmm. they determine, you know, the casting and all that stuff and and uh the you know, the cast gets time to read the script and all that stuff. So, you know, there's, there's, there's enough time to bring up points of contention or unease around, you know, certain, you know, things that, that the script calls for. Um, I think that at the end of the day, like if, if you're not, you know, if, if you feel that like a kiss has to be taken out, but you're kind of overruled by the creative team, um, Ultimately, I do think, like, yeah, you you have to, like, either find a way to get there or just, you know, or or say the job is not for you. Because as we both discussed, I mean, that is, like, a pivotal scene. Like, uh, the movie wouldn't be the same without it, almost. Yeah, certainly. And again, I think that, like, you know, actors, you know, it's, it's so interesting to have not done acting for so long and to kind of, like... Just, like, having had it been so long since I've, like, been in an acting class and having since then gotten, like, a greater understanding of just, like, the idea of, like, personal boundaries and stuff like that. Like, there's there's so much stuff that goes down in fucking acting school. I'm just, man, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you almost have to, like, tear them down in a way. Well, it's... Yeah, and, and... Well, and that's something I go back and forth on because I think that, like, there's, like... There, there can be a like a, a more like abusive approach to like acting training that I think is is unfair yeah, and to th- actors and, and right. is abusive and is emotionally manipulative and that has and, a lot to do and, with like power imbalance too. I and, think. yeah, and and well, and that's the thing is that like there's a very strong power imbalance, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like just you know certain phases of training right. and and all that stuff and 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 even just through the creative process, I think like you know yeah the power imbalance between like directors and right. actors is is very real thing. So like I so so ultimately I think like 
yeah, have the dialogue if there's something that you really feel doesn't have to be in the thing. Um, ultimately, I do think at the end of the day, like, you have to be able to make the call, like, either, yes, I'm going to be willing to do the thing if that's what the job is, mm -hmm. or this is not the job for me. Right. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it seemed like Amanda Seyfried was able to get to that point, because I think, again, I think the scene really helps the movie. Um, and also, I mean, I think, you know, again, it's like, uh, it, it's, it's, and I, I, I get the sense that, you know, again, it sounded like both of them were kind of skeptical that the kiss was, you know, more than a stunt. So, right. so I'm sure that that contributes to, yeah, to the uncomfortableness, to, to that uncomfortableness so as well, which is again that, is like, it's interesting. Considering do you think that's like a lack of communication? Because obviously it, it's, it's clear that, that Cody and, and Kusama didn't feel that it was a stunt, but and yet it feels like everyone in the media thought it was a stunt. And then even the two actresses involved in the scene kind of felt like it was a stunt. Uh, well, I mean, I think it, it, what I think that goes to show mm -hmm. is, um, I think that goes to show, like, just, um, how, how ingrained the patriarchy is. <laughs> yes. Actually, yeah. like, no joke. Right. Like, I mean, right. yeah, the fact that, like, you know, you have, you have a, a, a woman writer, a mm -hmm. woman director, and, and yet there's still this fear that, like, you know, something exploitative has mm -hmm. been put in the film right. to to appease a producer yeah. or something like that. And you know what? I'm I'm absolutely sure that that's not an unfounded fear to have. Right. Um, so um, yeah, I, I think if anything, I think if anything, that mainly does speak to um, to to the, the the reach of the tendrils mm -hmm. of the patriarchy. Burn it down! Burn that shit Burn down. It down! Fuck it! Fuck it all! Yeah. Um, interesting little bonus trivia here. Amanda Seyfried and Kyle Galliner, who uh, played Colin in this movie, they both previously appeared together in Veronica Mars. That um, they did. Yeah. Amanda, of course, played Lily Kane, and Kyle played Cassidy Beaver Casablancas. So we're writing down our discussion now. Final thoughts. Jennifer's body. What did you think about it? Do you think it's a bad movie, so-so movie, good movie, great movie? Where do you land? I thought it was quite good. I, mm -hmm. I really did have a good time with it. I think I was probably a little hard on it in the beginning of our discussion. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's packed with a lot of great, like, little details. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, horror, you know, horror ain't horror without a nice touch of satire. Right. This, this definitely has it. Um, I, I like my... I like my horrors sweetened with some humor. We <laughs> yeah. got plenty of that. Um, so yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a blast. I agree. I think it's a really good. I think it's good verging on great. Um, I, I would actually. I know that that you've said it, dur during this recording that you um, you feel like you enjoy teeth better than than Jennifer's body. I'm the other way around. I, I and it might be again because I've seen it four times and so I, it's grown on me every single time. I think that this movie is better than Teeth, although I enjoy both of them a lot. Um, but there's just a lot of richness in this movie that that just rewards multiple viewings that I don't get from Teeth. Teeth is pretty straightforward, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, I think... Uh, I, I, you know, oddly enough, I, I, think I, I think I had more fun watching this movie right. than I did it is a lot more fun. Teeth. I think... Um, 
I, I think I, I, I was I was more intrigued by the ideas behind Teeth. And again, mm-hmm. like I'm still unpacking that, like, right? You know, a week later. Um, whereas, like this one, I, I, but 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 yeah, I would say that this one was definitely a a much more fun viewing experience mm-hmm. as we were watching. It. And really, it really just needs just like a few tweaks here and there to really to bring it up to that great category. You know, just like be a little more patient, maybe uh, linger a little more, build some the, some of that suspense a little more. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I, I think it's a really solid film from top to bottom. It's beautifully shot. Uh, Karen does a great job. Um, I think with you know de- with everything like the actors and and all all of the special effects and everything. I'm, I was really impressed with with the way that she choreographed everything together. Um, the actresses are are amazing. Amanda and and Megan. Uh, Megan is just on a whole other level in this movie, and I really hope that she gets to make more. You know, maybe not films like this, but a more give her a little more range. People hire her for stuff. Yeah. You know, come on. Yeah, yeah, um, fuck yeah. And Diablo Cody is just like so talented. I, I've pretty much enjoyed like all of her movies. She usually writes for Jason Reitman, and, and interestingly enough, Jason Reitman was originally attached to direct this movie, but he had to um, back out. And Karen came in, and I actually think that that was the right choice. I like that this is a a movie made by women. I love that about this movie. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a great movie. And also interesting to note, we watched Teeth and, and this one, and I didn't even think about it until we were watching it just now. This movie, how both films end with a hitchhiking scene. Yes, yes, I was just I was thinking that as the movie ended. I I I. I, I'm glad you mentioned right. it because I I loved that both movies end with hitchhiking and gone to the next thing. Yeah, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I I greatly enjoyed watching it again. I watched it last night and I loved it again today. So yeah, it was a blast. Thank you for watching Jennifer's Body with me, Ned. Always an honor. I hope that you join me next time for another uh, schlocky masterpiece. And we hope that you guys out there join us again when we will talk about another delicious movie and play some trivia and dissect it. Uh, Until then, you know, guys, it's not worth it. Don't sacrifice anybody. Just watch some movies. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Just sex. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring me the very best violence. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. You guys always bring me the very best violence. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence.